by a show of hands, how many of you saw the Christmas star the week of Christmas? Just raise your hand. How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. All right, so uh, <laughs> the week of Christmas, December 21st, uh, Saturn and Jupiter aligned to create a very bright star in the sky. And scholars believe that's the exact same thing that happened in today's gospel. Or some scholars believe that this is what happened in 6 BC, which is when people believe that Jesus was born. And they say that this is the star, this was the alignment that happened to, to lead the Magi to Jesus. What's interesting is that when I tried seeing the, the star, it was cloudy. Right? The first night it was cloudy. And I thought to myself, what did the Magi do when it was cloudy? They probably rented an Airbnb and waited for the next day. In the gospel, there are two searches for Jesus. And they couldn't be any more different. On the one hand, you have Herod who's searching for Jesus. And on the other hand, you have the Magi who are searching for Jesus. And so I want to contrast both of those as the newborn king comes. On the one hand, so this, all the context here is the Magi come to King Herod and said, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star rising, and we, are, we have come to give him homage. Notice Herod's response. is that Herod was greatly troubled by this. He's troubled by this because Herod is a kind of a puppet king of the Romans. He's not a true Jew. He's not reigning because of, um, of his God-given right to reign as king. He ultimately is threatened by Jesus. Because if Jesus himself was the newborn king of the Jews, that means that he might have his kingship taken from him. So Herod is, is threatened by Jesus. He's afraid. One of my favorite commentaries on this is actually from the Office of Readings for the, Holy Inno the Feast of the Holy Innocents, where the author is saying, Herod, why is fear destroying your heart? And so out of, out of that fear, what, what does he do? He pretends to be interested in Jesus. He, pre he pretends to be interested in giving him homage. He ascertains when the star appears, and then he says to the Magi, when you find him, come back to me so that I may come and give him homage. Herod has no interest in worshiping Jesus. He has no interest in, in prostrating himself at Jesus' feet and allowing him to reign in his life. Rather, what Herod wants to do is he wants to snuff out this king that would threaten his kingship. And that's actually what he does. He closes his heart and he tries to kill Jesus. And this is where we get the Feast of the Holy Innocents. He kills all of the newborn children around from zero to two years old after uh, around the Bethlehem vicinity. That's what he does. On the other hand, we have the Magi. The Magi who follow what they believe are signs from God and they travel long distances. They make great sacrifices, expending time and energy in order to find this newborn king. They're overjoyed at seeing the star. And when they find Jesus, they bow down and worship him. They give him homage. And then they open the treasures that they bring and give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. A very different response to the arrival of the newborn king. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, each of us might admit that we have a little bit of King Herod in all of us. In all of us, there is a resistance to the reign of Jesus in our life in one way or another. And if that was not true, each of us would be saints right now. 
Each of us could not get enough of God. We'd be so filled with love, so filled with life, and we would be so enthusiastic about all that God has for us, and we would just desire more all of the time. But the fact of the matter is is that we sometimes are threatened by Jesus' reign in our life, and we become afraid. And some of us, in many ways, like Herod, pretend to be more open to Jesus than we really are. We kind of give lip service to our, our, our faith. Yes, when you find him, when you have this, I, I truly want to worship. I truly want to give my life over to him as well. But in reality, we're not really all that interested in having someone else reign in our life. We would rather reign as king in our life. And so we resist Jesus. And because of this, what we end up doing is we tend to try to kill Jesus' influence in our life. Maybe we're not trying to kill the newborn child like Herod did, but we try to kill his influence in our life. We try to minimize Jesus' impact in our life. We don't give him the time of the day. We don't pray often. Maybe we sometimes don't go to church or we don't read the scriptures. Or maybe perhaps if someone's challenging me from the church, who are his messengers, we try to kill the messenger and we seek to find a voice that we agree with. So we try to minimize his reign. And the reason why we do that is because we're afraid. And as a result, we close our heart to God. We don't open the treasures of our hearts. We don't open the treasures of our lives. We don't give him our time. We spend very little effort and energy to, to get to know Jesus and to worship him. We don't give him much of our talent. We don't serve him very much because we're really all about serving ourselves. And sometimes we're tempted not even to give of our treasure that when we find Jesus, we, we don't often open up our hearts and give to charity or give to the church. We withhold and we protect ourselves, and we, in many ways, rely on ourselves. The truth is, is that if we, as we recognize the Herod inside of us, we should long to want to be like the Magi. So I want to offer three different ways in which we can become like the Magi to worship the newborn king. Number one, Recognize your fear of Jesus' reign in your life and talk to him about it. Be radically honest with yourself about what is it that you're afraid of might happen if you were to give God everything. And maybe ask yourself this question, if I were to give Jesus everything in my life, if I was to be all in, what what do I fear might happen or what do I fear might not happen? You see, all of us have these insecurities about what it means to give everything over to him. All of us have insecurities as to whether or not we really want Jesus to have his way in our life. And we need to first acknowledge what those are. Because when we acknowledge what those are, we can bring them to Jesus and he can speak to us about them. Because a fear that is not acknowledged is often a fear that is going to enslave us. To put it another way, if we do not recognize the fear in our life that's preventing Jesus from reigning, we will be ruled by that fear. And we will no longer be worshiping Jesus, we will be worshiping the fear, or perhaps the comfort that the fear is saying that we're going to lose. For example, this Christmas, or this Advent season, we gave away 1,500 books on prayer. And prayer is the way by which we engage with God about the different things going on in our hearts. But let me just ask a question. I don't want you to raise your hand. How many of you received that book and have not yet read it? How many of you have received the book and have read it, but have not yet put into practice 
that time of prayer every single day. You see, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have resistance to doing that. And the resistance is very different for very different people. If I pray and I spend this much time in prayer every day, that means I have to say no to these other things. And if I say no to these other things, I'm afraid I'm going to lose X, or I'm afraid I'm going to lose Y. I'm afraid that this is going to be painful in this way. We all have these different things going on in our hearts. The question is, do we recognize them? What's interesting is that the more that we recognize what our fear is and we bring it to Jesus, the more that we get his truth in the midst of the fear and recognize that we have nothing to be afraid of. You see, Herod was afraid that Jesus was going to conquer him, that Jesus was his enemy. But in fact, what Jesus came to bring was relief to Herod from the sin that conquered his life, from the fear that conquered his life. Jesus did not come to steal anything away from Herod except the very thing that was killing him, to get rid of his sin and in his death. That when we bring that stuff to the Lord, we recognize that Jesus is not our enemy, that what we truly want is what he wants to give to us. In other words, we'll realize that God is not the enemy of the love that we desire. He's its source. He's not the enemy of life. He's its source. He's not the enemy of the security that we so long to have. He's the source of security. And when we recognize that, we recognize that we, living in fear, have ultimately been living according to lies that God sent his son in order to free us from. So the first part is recognize your fear of Jesus' reign in your life and talk to him about it, engage with him about it, so that you can be set free. Number two, sincerely search for Jesus and do what it takes to find him. Sincerely search for Jesus and do what it takes to find him. I'm amazed as a priest at how different people's journeys are in finding Jesus and, and becoming his disciple. On the one hand, it seems like some people, it's just very, very easy. Like they're away from God and maybe it just takes a simple Bible study. Or maybe it's a word from a neighbor. Or maybe it's a simple experience of prayer. And they, they have this thing where they're just, they're totally back and they say, God, I want you to reign in my life. I want you to come and be who you are in my life. And it's a very simple affair. But for others, it, it, it takes a lot longer because God meets us where, where we're at. For some, it's a long journey, not unlike that of the Magi. They have to expend a lot of effort and a lot of time to sort through a bunch of questions they have in their life. Questions about Christianity, questions about God, questions about the Bible. Is all of this true? And that's okay because everyone's on their own journey. But the question is, is whether or not people are sincerely looking for the truth, sincerely looking for Jesus or not. A while back I shared a story of me, I think it was my second year as a priest, I was invited to do a wedding out of state uh, for a couple that was very much connected to a political action committee in in Washington, D.C. And as a result, all sorts of Washington politicians and lobbyists and even people from major newspapers were at the wedding. And one of my dreams came true. I got to preach to Washington, D.C. It was amazing. But one of the things that happened after the, the wedding homily, or I'm sorry, after the wedding, it wasn't the homily, it was just the whole wedding in general, is a, 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 a Washington journalist from a major newspaper that some of you would recognize if you knew his name, came up to me and he had tears in his eyes and he said, that was so beautiful. The whole wedding was so beautiful. And I recognized that God was doing something in his heart. So I said, are you a believer? And he says, no, I'm an agnostic. 
I said, what does that mean? And begins to describe how he doesn't know about God, he's not sure if Jesus is who he says he is. And I said, if, I said, if you're searching for the truth and you have not yet found it, I have a lot of respect for you. But if you're not really searching for the truth and you're using this agnostic label as an excuse so that you can live the way that you want, I don't have very much respect for that. Because that's not an intellectual problem, that's a moral problem. I said, which are you? And he looks at me and he says, I'm searching. You see, the reality is, is that the Magi were searching after God based on what God was given to them. See, the Magi were astrologers, astronomers. They were the kind of the academics. They were the, the scientists of their day. And, and as God revealed themselves to them, they followed that evidence and they found Jesus at the end. But if we're not really sincerely looking for evidence and sincerely looking for Jesus, then we're really kind of tying our own feet from finding him. So sincerely search for Jesus and do what it takes to find him. And finally, when you find Jesus, open up the treasures of your life to him. Choose not to give in to self-reliance and fear. When you find Jesus, give him everything. Submit everything to his life. Submit your finances. Submit your relationships. Submit your work. Submit everything to him. And give him a chance to provide for you. One of the reasons why people don't see God working in their life and I say this often, is because we don't allow God to work in our life. We say no. And so make acts of faith in giving to charity and giving to the church. Make acts of faith in giving your time to the Lord and giving your prayer to the Lord. Open up your hearts and you'll find that Jesus really is the king that you so desire. See, the truth is, is that Jesus is our king. And because of who he is, he is the king of the whole universe. And people throughout history have responded like Herod, threatened by Jesus' kingship, and try to seek to kill his influence in the world. And we have a lot of people like that in our culture today. But we also have a lot of people like the Magi who are f sincerely following the signs that God is giving to them. And when they discover Jesus, they open up the treasures of their heart and they give everything over to him. So the question is, what is your response to the newborn king? My prayer is that as we come to know Jesus, we will realize we do not have to be threatened by his reign in our life. In fact, my prayer is that we want him to reign all the more. And that wanting him to reign all the more, he does reign. We become like that Christmas star. And we're able to lead people to Jesus. Because after all, there's no greater privilege than to shine so brightly that we lead people who want to find Jesus to find him.